Welcome to Unlapped. After a quiet weekend, the Qatar Grand Prix is just days away. Katie George alongside Nate Saunders. Our better half, Lawrence Edmondson, is returning from holiday, as my counterparts like to say, right? Bit of vacation. Vacay. I think that sounded a bit Australian. I don't know if it sounded English yeah, or Australian. Yeah, that wasn't very American. Vacation? Vacay? Vacay. Vacation. It sounds I whenever I do it, I sound like Forrest Gump, you know, Forrest Gump's mother, which goes, he's on vacation about his uh <laughs> about about his dad. Forrest Gump or a little redneck is what is what I would yeah. say, quite frankly. Yeah, that's basically the only American accent I can do properly <laughs> uh for an sustained period of time. You nailed it. You nailed it. But you also just got done traveling. You are on the ground in Qatar. How is it? Yeah, just got here. So just flew in. Uh, I didn't do the race here in 2021, so my first time here. Um it's, it's like it's evening time here, so haven't had a chance to you know properly see what the place is about. But very, very, I saw everything from the World Cup, you know, all the aerial shots of everything, yeah. and all very lit up and very kind of very impressive, uh, you know, when you're driving in. So, um, but yeah, interesting to see the circuit. They've updated the paddock facilities here, um, mm-hmm. and apparently it's really state of the art. So quite keen to see what that looks like because I always feel like these Middle Eastern uh, races are always trying to one up each other. You know, oh, yeah. every every year we come there, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to be the best race in the region. So I think this race may, from what I've heard, may have kind of raised the bar a little bit. We'll see. So with that, what's the skinny? You've never been to this race. You haven't seen the circuit. Like, what does Lawrence tell you? What do other media members tell you to expect when you go to Qatar for a race? So this race, actually, it's, it's difficult to get a good uh, impression of it because the only time we've been here before was 21. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, it was right in the middle of that season where Max and Lewis were fighting, you know, tooth mm-hmm. and nail. And this race, I was actually talking to, um, I saw some uh, some people from Red Bull. I saw Chris Medland uh, from Racer.com, obviously a friend of the show. I believe he's been on once or twice. Um, and those guys had been in 21, and it was right after Brazil that year. So most people flew from Brazil to Qatar. It was a crazy double header at the time. So you imagine that flight. Oh, so I think geez. everyone got to Qatar and were just wiped out. Bonked, you know, yeah. and it was that, that point in the season where it was, it was very intense. So I think actually it's going to be interesting coming back to one where actually we've gone from you know, a, a toe-to-toe battle to it being what will effectively probably be a coronation for Max Verstappen. Um, you know, a bit a bit more chilled coming here, I think. Um, but I think people are just curious to see what it's like. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. I think this one, in terms of the new races, it doesn't stand out in the same way Vegas is going to uh, in a couple of weeks' time. No, uh, I think nothing's really going to top Vegas based on what I'm yeah, hearing no. uh, on the ground that's in preparation there. But before we dive in, I want to hit a couple pieces of news. Remember, if you're watching us first on YouTube, like this video, leave us a comment, and don't forget to subscribe to ESPN for more F1 content. And if you're listening, hit us with a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate it. Uh, and ready, let's start there, wins the FIA's approval of a bid to become the 11th team on the grid. Now, obviously, this is a, certainly a big deal, but this doesn't mean that they are a shoe in yet. So can you just walk us through the process? FIA has approved their bid. But then now the decision goes to Formula One and its media parent company, Liberty Media. That's right. Yeah. So we've we've talked about this before, haven't we, on the pod? Mm-hmm. Quite quite a lot, it, it feels like. And it's something that's dragged on all of this year. Yeah. At the very beginning of the year, um, uh, President Ben Sulliam of the FIA opened up this process. You know, he said, we want to find an 11th and potentially a 12th team for Formula One. And if you remember, Andretti seemed to be his kind of chosen one from the beginning. There was all this back and forth between Michael Andretti, uh, the teams. Andretti had come forward with this quite impressive sounding bid with uh, with Cadillac, with General Motors, you know, and 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 on the surface of it, you looked at it and thought, well, there's a lot to be excited about here. 
Uh, Formula One at the start of this at the start of the year were very very opposed to that. There's a lot of financial reasons for that. You know, a, a new team coming in when Formula One is more popular than ever um, means that you're effectively, if a new team comes in, you're splitting ten bits of a pie into eleven. You can, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not the I'm not the best at maths, but I can work out. <laughs> or should I say, in this case, I'm not the best at math, considering we're talking about an American team. Um, <laughs> but Good. I, you, you know, you can tell that that that's not that's not beneficial for everybody. So what happens with this process is fascinating because the FIA has effectively spent the better part of this year doing due diligence on all of the bids. So I, last week we spoke about the New Zealand-based team, Rodin, who had looked yeah. to to enter with uh, one female and one male driver. That obviously hasn't passed the criteria. They actually alluded to the fact in their statement that Andretti was very, very likely to be the only one put forward. So Andretti, uh, sorry, the FIA has gone through lots and lots of bids. I think it's around seven or eight that were actually submitted in a, in a formal capacity. Um, and they've looked at all the everything from the financial plan to the personnel plan. You know, they'll, they'll, have, they'll have really really honed in on details and i hope to dig more into this this week in the paddock you know it's going to be fascinating to talk to people from the fia and formula one because you always get you know different parts of the story but what is clear here we've had different points where new teams have entered formula one 2010 three teams entered and they were all bankrupt within they were all off the grid you know in a matter of yeah. years Haas obviously joined in 2016 they're still going strong they've had, they had some difficult years but they've really established themselves well from what I've been told from the FIA side, this has been a far more rigorous process than those two times put together and then some. So, you know, you're talking about an order of magnitude uh, of more scrutiny, you know, into into everything. Um, and I think that that's where this is interesting. So effectively what the FIA has done for people listening is they've presented to, to, to Formula One who are, you know, and to Liberty Media, who are the commercial rights holder. Here's a team we think has everything you need to enter Formula One. Passes all the all the checks and balances we as the mm-hmm. governing body want to see from a new team. It's now up to you, as the commercial rights holder, as the championship, to allow that team on the grid or not. And it's a fascinating situation, isn't it, Katie? Because we know there's a tension between those two bodies, as okay. you know, as as this fascinating dynamic in Formula One always is. FIA has now. You know, if if you're talking about a tennis match, I watched King Richard on the plane over here, the movie about the Serena Williams, Serena and Venus Williams. So, got tennis on on my mind at the moment. But they've effectively pushed uh, pushed F1 to the very back of the court. They're in a very very defensive position now because it's going to be it's going to be very difficult, I think, for them to turn around and reject this bid out of hand. As we can get into a bit more, but um, Andretti and the, the FIA right now, if you're either of them, I think you're feeling pretty good about it. I thought you were going to say the ball is now in your court, Formula That's, One. I, I was trying to, I was trying to think of the phrase, and I was like, "There's, <laughs> there, there's, it, there's too many ways to slip up and make that a very embarrassing sentence." So I just thought I'll leave it alone. So okay. I went for the other one. <laughs> so the ball is in Formula One's yep. court at this point in time. So I think it's interesting. You have the governing body, and then you have the ten teams. Do the 10 teams get a say? Is there a vote? Is it, it has to be unanimous? Like, how does that work? Because we know that some of these teams are lukewarm to the idea, as you mentioned prior, because they're weary Mm. of diluting the overall kind of pot of revenue, right? And also, as it currently stands, it's a $200 million entry fee to join. Is that going to possibly change? Because some of the teams feel like, well, $200 million at the current valuation is is too small of an amount as compared to what it maybe should be. Yeah, absolutely. So that fee is the dilution fee. And that was agreed quite a long time ago now um, for any new team to come in. And what it was meant to do, that $200 was meant to be spread between the 10 teams um, and basically cover the loss from 
you know, from from 10 bits of the pie to 11. Mm-hmm. Now, because Formula One teams right now are making more money than they ever have before, they all feel like that dilution fee should be a lot higher than that. So I think that okay. is going to be one of the big sticking points. I think that the teams, uh, I get the impression that, that what will happen now is that Formula One is slowly going to have to bring the teams on, on board here because Andretti, I think, and the FIA can probably go down a legal route now if 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 the if the bid is blocked you start to run into do you start to run into antitrust issues do you start to run into all kinds of legal problems down the line because effectively you know I, i'm not a legal expert here but that's some of the things that people have been talking about over the last 24 hours so it's going to be really fascinating but you're right those are those are the concerns the team have teams have as far as i know this is uh, something that Liberty Media will deal with as a one-off thing, but okay. they're never going to agree to it if there's, say, five teams that aren't on board or three teams not on board. They're going to want um, a unanimous view from everybody. So even though there isn't a you know a one-checkbox vote from every team, effectively they all have a say. And it's going to be interesting now to see how the politics play out. Because if you remember, Alpine have already said that, uh, so the Cadillac part of it, it does sound on the surface when you hear it, you're like, that sounds like they're providing an engine. From what we heard at the start of the year, they're just going to put a badge on the car. Now that might not be the case. We we might hear differently this week because that might be something if Cadillacs decide to invest a bit more money into that, that might be why the FIA has actually pushed this over and said, look, another engine manufacturer coming in in 25 okay. or 26. Obviously we have Audi coming in. I have a feeling that maybe there's a, there's a slightly stepped up involvement from Cadillac. Again, mm-hmm. not, I haven't had that confirmed, but that the fact that we've, we've got Ad, uh, Andretti on the table and we don't have any of these other, um, teams on the table would suggest that but if that isn't the case alpine have already said they will which is obviously renault will supply an engine so you start to get a fascinating politics dynamic here where renault will look at it and say well this is a chance for us to have a customer team other teams may look at it and say well you know we're not getting enough on the dilution fee or you know politically this is bad for us so it's going to be a really fascinating couple of months and um pretty consequential because this is the first time Formula One's had to, had to deal with this situation since Haas joined the grid. And now, especially with where F1 is in America, more eyeballs on it than ever. And if you remember at the start of the year, Michael Andretti called the F1 teams greedy when they kind of were lukewarm to his approaches. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very difficult for Formula One not to look like that, even if they feel like they have justified reasons for not letting a team on, because it all comes down to the financial side of it. And yep. so it's a really fascinating one from a PR perspective, how things have shifted around and now Formula One kind of on the back foot a bit um and as you say the ball is very much in their court netflix just make sure you're in the room <laughs> yeah would well, I, I, would, I, down. I think i think michael andretti is going to be we have a i don't know if you guys have this phrase you probably don't of uh, grinning like a cheshire cat <laughs> yeah i think it comes from you guys but yes yeah it sounds as i said it i was like that's definitely one of the most english phrases <laughs> that i've ever said but i can imagine michael andretti doing that right now because oh, there yeah. was a time a few months back where it didn't seem too likely that this Mm-mm. was going to go anywhere you know we we heard about um you, you know all this whole process that was going on and it just didn't seem like we were going to get uh, to a resolution with this or to the point we have got to the fia has I think similar to what they did with the budget cap, they said we'd rather take a longer time with it and make sure we've got everything in place and then, you know, release the the press release they did this week. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what the next steps are. But this is now the hot topic in Formula One, you know, for the next yeah, months until it's res- resolved. Because this could, in theory, just sorry, Katie, uh, rambling yeah. on um, on this, but in theory, Andretti could join the grid in 2025. That was my next question. Uh, Timeline-wise, where right. are we? So if F1 
somehow manages to agree very, very quickly. I think probably by the end of this calendar year at the very latest, Andretti probably could come in for 25. Wow. I don't see I don't see the benefit from them of doing that because they'd have to build one car and then in 26, the regulations change again and they'd have to effectively build a completely new one. I've heard some teams question the logic of 25, some of the existing teams. So 26 seems the most likely time. But if you're Michael Andretti as well, you're probably keen to get in as quickly as you can and kind of you know, mm-hmm. establish yourself as a team, get your operations up and running. Crucially, they want to... Uh, operate out of Banbury in the UK. So early on, there was talk of will they will they be based in the US? And I think I think another thing that came out of the FIA, and actually I'm hoping to see the FIA president, um, you know, in in a media session this week. I want to ask him: Is it impossible now for any prospective teams to be based outside of Europe? Because it's initially the talk was maybe maybe they'll be based in the US. Obviously, Rodin, who we spoke about earlier, wanted to be based in New Zealand. I think with the logistics of Formula One, with the freight, with the with the employees, etc., I just you've got everyone else based in Europe. I can't see how you can realistically do it if you're not there. So I think that as well might be another thing that's that's changed over the past kind of six or seven months for for Andretti. New Zealand was hard to wrap your head around logistically being able to overcome yeah. that. So it, it makes sense that they'd want to be want to be located over in Europe. To that point, and then the last note before we hit our preview for Qatar. Do you feel like there will be a need, a want, a desire for an Andretti team to have an American driver in its lineup? I do, and and Michael Andretti said that uh, previously. He's he's I think he's gone on record a few times and said mm-hmm. one of the things he wants to do. I mean, he's he's tried before. You know, he tried to buy Sauber a few years ago, and he was very very keen at the time um, to enter with Colton Herter. Obviously, Herter's still somebody who has talked about a lot. Uh, Pato Award's not American, but he's a he's a Mexican driver, but doing very very well in IndyCar over the past few years. And of course, Alex Pelot, who, you, if you look at his situation realistically, he's burnt a few bridges with McLaren recently. So his one of his only ways into Formula One now would be with an Andretti style style team. So I think if there's a possibility, and again, it comes down to super license points because remember, Alpha Tauri before they had the disastrous Nick DeVries experiment, they wanted to get Colton Herter in that car. For this season, he didn't have the super license points for that. But I think if Andretti is in a situation where he can put an American in the car, I think he'll go yeah. for it. And that's what's, I think this, although Haas is an American team, I think if, if Andretti Cadillac does come in, it will very much feel like this is an American team for that reason. They'll lean more into that than than the Haas team has. Obviously, haven't had an American driver for sure. the entire time they've been in. And I've actually been quite kind of negative when asked about that question like well why would we have an american driver you know and i think michael andretti is like well why wouldn't we have one you know um so yeah i I would be i'd be surprised if andretti came in with two drivers that weren't from at least one driver that wasn't from the u.s well hopefully we'll have an update in regards to this maybe after some of your conversations on the ground this weekend or by the end of the season um and as you said it could take a couple months before we hear anything decision wise based on what formula one decides to do and in terms of admitting an 11th team Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. All right, let's turn our attention to Qatar this weekend. Uh, You mentioned it the last time we raced in Qatar was in 2021 because the race was not held last season uh, due to the World Cup, Um, making things even more interesting this time around. It's a sprint weekend, so that's extremely exciting, we think, Um, and we'll get to that (laughs) in a second. Um, But Nate, a big issue in 2021 was tire degradation. Remember, there were multiple drivers that had to retire due to tire punctures. Um, Teams had to do a really good job managing their tires. Um, they did so at Suzuka two weekends ago. So what are your expectations from that standpoint, this circuit, how to manage tires in this environment out in Qatar? Yeah, I mean, I can confirm it's hot. And this, like I said, I came <laughs> in the evening um, <laughs> and it's going to be it's going to be tricky all weekend. Um, and I think that there's a lot of things at play here. You know, it's there's a lot of high speed corners here. It's a mm-hmm. circuit that's going to put a lot of load onto the onto the car. Um, and yeah, I think that that is what is quite interesting is that you know that obviously in 21 was a whole different generation of cars to this year so the drivers who drove there they will have that experience but these cars are brand new on this circuit so i'm expecting quite a challenging weekend for the drivers and as we've seen well not just this season but especially this season when there is that tire deck in play especially in that fight behind red bull it really just kind of throws a wrench into that whole thing because you know some teams deal with that better than better than others i mean mclaren are going to come here expecting i think to build on what they had in japan um but that fight behind them i think with all of that in mind you know mercedes haven't always been the best team um with their tires so um yeah it's just i think that's that's probably the biggest talking point here away from max and away from andretti is 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 that kind of uh how that's going to play out on the sunday let's talk about as it turns out well okay let's talk about that let's talk about max verstappen who's looking for his third straight driver's championship and he can clinch it on Saturday, not Sunday. Yes, you heard that correctly. He can clinch it <laughs> during the sprint, and all he has to do is finish sixth or better. Does that take some air out of this weekend, knowing that it could be over and done with? Or do we think that that's just, you know what, he's been dominant all season long, and it's only right that he he wraps this thing up on a Saturday and we don't even have to wait till Sunday? I think it's a bit of both. Uh, I think it takes the air out of it. I mean, the Sunday race will be interesting if we've all done all the championship stuff on Saturday. Um, I think it might be a slightly more relaxed Sunday, you know, because sometimes the funny thing that you don't often see uh, when when a driver wraps up a championship early, and and not just then, you know, a lot of the time on Sundays, media time is quite limited because a lot of the teams fly back on the Sunday evening. So you don't get a huge amount of time with the drivers. If Max wins on Saturday, and this is kind of 
inside the world of the media right here, we'll get a lot more time with him. We'll probably get time on Saturday with him and then whatever he does after the race on Sunday. Um, and then in terms of what you said about, is it fitting? I think it's actually a perfect way for him to win. You know, he's not going to get that, un- you know, Red Bull aren't going to get that undefeated season. He's not going to just keep winning till the end of the year. But this is such a unique thing, something we've never seen before. It's fitting in a season where he's he's already broken a great record of 10 straight wins. Um, and I think it won't be something that, you know, it won't be at the like it won't be the headline piece of this season, him winning on a Saturday. But I think it's a really it's just such a quirky little fact. And I I'm yes. pretty sure no driver I, I don't think any driver will have done that in the modern era, certainly. But I'd love to forty years ago. To, he'll be the first driver in forty years to clinch the championship right. on a Saturday. I knew there was one and I I, I couldn't remember when it was, but our, our guys at SIG sent around a, um mm-hmm. email earlier. And so shame on me for not properly reading it. But yeah, so it shows you again, more history setting, more record setting from Max. And on a year like this, you know, how else, how else is he going to do it? And I think selfishly, we all want it to go to Austin just because we'll all be there. But sure. I think realistically, you know, it's not going to happen. You'll get to see it. And he's coming off of arguably one of his most dominant performances of the season in Suzuka. So we expect much of the same from him, obviously, here in Qatar. On the other side of the Red Bull garage, what are your expectations from Checo after what was a a tough weekend in Japan? Yeah, really tough weekend. And I mean, you know, we've we've talked about Perez all uh, all season, you know, his ups and downs. And the downs have been really low. They've Mm -hmm. been super, super low. And I think I mentioned it on the last pod. It felt like coming out of the summer break, he'd kind of got over the worst of his you know, his poor form that, that kind of went into the summer break. You had a feeling, okay, he maybe is getting over some of that stuff. And then, yeah, and then you see a weekend like Japan where he, he it was terrible. I mean, he looked as bad as I think he's looked all season. I think Qatar in 21 is where he first got the nickname, uh, the Minister of Defense. If you remember, he you know, mm-hmm. he, he had some battles with Lewis at that race. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, you know, and then and then in, in the finale that year, he had a, a great spell where he held Lewis off for quite a while. And that was, if you think about Perez's time at Red Bull, he's obviously had some wins, but playing a role in that championship, I think, was one of his standout moments. I'm Agreed. not saying he's going to be in a position to do that again, but, you know, it's a circuit where clearly, you know, he had a he had a special moment with Red Bull before. So you just you just hope he, he gets it together because no one likes to see a driver in a spiral like that. And because we know he's driving for Red Bull next season, it's kind of you need him to be in a better position because if if Max is ahead again by a distance next year, we need Perez. I don't think anyone believes Perez can do it over a season, but we need at least that glimmer of hope Bottas used to give us at the start of a season where it's like, oh, he wins a race or two and then it fades away. And I think maybe Perez did that this season. But um, but yeah, I think he just needs a strong weekend. Um, but I mean, you know, what is that for Perez at the moment? I mean, what would you say? You know, he qualified fifth in Japan, then obviously had that had that awful race that he did. But really, Red Bull were like, well, if he if he makes his way up the grid on Sunday, then he's done a good job. And it feels like their expectations now are so low that it, it it's hard to quantify what a good weekend is for him now. I think you'd have to expect top five in qualifying and then finishing second in the race. Like that, that's where yeah. your standard is based on what Max is doing in the RB19. But to your point, because he hasn't qualified consistently. Yeah. We have lowered our expectations of, well, if he finishes in the points, but like that can't be the standard if you're Red Bull. Yeah, right. And I, you know that it's not. And so I think that's where the frustration and maybe a little bit of resentment has started to creep in between both parties. And I just ask you this because it felt like rumors were spinning um, this past weekend on Twitter and different social media uh, platforms where it said, you know, if 
2024 that Red Bull would look possibly to move on midseason or after to Daniel Ricardo. that Daniel Ricardo would be the man in waiting. And we obviously know that there's a reason they're bringing Daniel Ricardo back. But what do you make of that, that people are already pointing to 2024 midway through the season if he's not in great form? I would never rule it out with Red Bull. I think with other teams, oh. you definitely would. But if, if you look at Red Bull's track record, I mean, you know, why not? I mean, that's how Verstappen got his chance at Red Bull. He replaced Kvyat early. Obviously, the reason Ricciardo came back was mid-season. There's been a lot of a lot of changes. So if there's any team that's going to do that, it would be Red Bull. I don't think Red Bull would do it for a number of reasons. I think that people overlook a lot of the time in Formula 1. People overlook the importance of marketing and, and business. And Perez for Red Bull in in, in the Latin market is is huge. And he's not, you know, he he's not performing well, but he's also... He's not hurting he them either. Yeah, like Max, this season especially, Max has won the championship, the Constructors' Championship on his own, basically. You know, he's still ahead. He still leads that. If you take his points, he's still he's still ahead in that. So Perez is an interesting position. I think it will be different next year if if McLaren or Mercedes or Ferrari make a really big jump over the offseason and are really clipping at the heels of Red Bull. If Perez is still in this form, then absolutely I think he's under a lot of pressure because then suddenly his role goes from being we don't just need him to be number two, number two, and good for marketing and good for, you know, what we're trying to do in these regions. It's actually well, we also need him to be doing well on track Productive. and actually winning us this championship. So I think it all hinges on that. Um, the presence of Liam Lawson as well would make me think it is a possibility now because if 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 Red Bull did want to do that midway through next year, they know now as well they've got Liam Lawson there who can who can step in and we've seen what a great job he's done. So if anything, that has probably added to the. The, the speculation and that and that rumor, you know, strengthen that rumor. But from what I've heard from Red Bull, that's very unlikely Perez would ever be would ever be moved out. But Absolutely. it is telling that they've already talked about. It's like, well, he's he's got a contract to the end of twenty twenty four. I can't see any world where Perez gets a contract beyond that at the moment, unless we see a significant turnaround next year. I think in Red Bull's heads, they're already kind of thinking, what's the next? Who's the next guy in that car alongside Max after Perez? Some people might question when that decision gets made, but I still think it will be end of 24. I mean, you know, I'm a huge Ricardo fan. I'd love it to be earlier, but at the moment, the way things are, I can't see it. But we've seen things change this year in the space of three months. So, you know, this 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 podcast might age quite badly if we look back at it in about six months or something. Yeah, fair enough. Checo just <laughs> needs to win Monaco again. Isn't that when he got his contract extension last season? Yes. After, yeah. So just go That's right. Monaco well, he- and then get some goodwill. That's when we. That's when we were still calling him the Street King as well, which seems like a million million years ago now because that was a nickname that we we said without irony as well. We we're like, this guy on Street Circus is mega. This the year, of the season, At yeah, the this of the year season, he, we were still calling him that. Yeah, yeah, and then and then obviously two of his worst performances since Monaco and Singapore, mm-hmm. you know, have been on have been on Street Circus as well. So, um, yeah, hard to hard to see light at the end of the tunnel for Perez, but um, for his long longer term future, you feel like he's he's safe. For the time being, you mentioned the trio of McLaren, Ferrari, and Mercedes. In terms of who will be the biggest challenger this weekend for Red Bull, who would you put your money on of those three teams? McLaren, I think, quite comfortably. Um, this isn't quite the same type of circuit as Suzuka in terms of high speed, but mm-hmm. it's got a lot of that higher medium speed corners here. Um, and you would expect, and that was one thing McLaren said to us earlier in the year when they introduced this upgrade was they looked at the makeup of the season and they said, well, if our weakness is slow speed corners, then that is that is a problem, but there's less of that on the calendar than there is medium and high speed. And we saw at Suzuka just how strong that car is. And and also you have 
Lando and, and Piastri, who are performing really, really well as well. So I think add all that together, I think McLaren are going to be are going to be strong again. But again, it, it but it it is interesting as well because with Mercedes, I feel like you can never really work out where they are. And then we saw that step up from Ferrari as well. So the Friday, mm-hmm. and this is a quirk of the sprint race format. We only get one practice session this weekend before qualifying. So I feel like that, you know, especially with the tire degradation you mentioned earlier, it could mm-hmm. actually be quite a mixed up grid on Friday evening. I really like that format because you only really get an hour to understand the car and to to work out your setup. So I, while I think McLaren will be strong, I can see the grid being a little bit of a mix behind Max Verstappen probably, but a bit of <laughs> a bit of a mix nonetheless. Okay. My follow-up then would be who has a stronger weekend between Ferrari and Mercedes. I'm going to say Ferrari. I think if you look at Ferrari's trajectory recently, yeah, they've been building and Lawrence hit the nail on the head on the last show. They've also made, they've made clear, clear improvements with the upgrades they've brought to the car. But I think operationally as well, Ferrari is, is just that they're in a much better place. They were a year ago. And I think you're starting to see the results of that. You know, you're starting to see that they're not making the same mistakes they were on strategy. I think they're seizing opportunities in a better way than they were before. Science is performing really well at the moment. And I think Charles had a bit of a, you know, kick up the backside in Japan and was fourth. And I think you can tell he's kind of, you know, he's back in the game or hopefully he's back in the game. So I would just edge it to Ferrari just based on based on recent form. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. We mentioned Liam Lawson earlier, and I just want to point out that he will be racing for AlphaTauri and Guitar. That was one of those dates that were circled, possibly for Daniel Ricciardo to make his return. We were hopeful, but they also said that there's no need to push this. So now we are looking for Daniel Ricciardo to make his return to the grid in Coda or in Austin at Coda. So what can you tell us about this? No surprise here that we're not going to see Danny Rick. Yeah, and and it was the the, the date they originally wanted to come back, as you say. Um, but I think that now that we know Ricardo's in the car next year and that we know that Lawson isn't in the car and that we know that Perez is in Red Bull, as we mentioned, mm-hmm. there's no rush coming back. It's not like he's he's got only a few races to prove whether he can replace Perez or anything. Everything's everything's lined up for him. So I think Red Bull are like, you impressed us in the first two race in the first two races back in Hungary and Belgium. There's no point in us rushing it. You know, he loves Austin as well. I think he's gonna come into that race, you know, just in a really good place. Austin loves him, you know, he's one of the mm-hmm. most popular drivers in America. And I feel like and we've talked about this before, haven't we? Quite quite a lot. And we even talked about it with him at the start of the year at the Red Bull launch. But Ricardo, I feel like, unlike so many other drivers, is is massively 
it, his happiness is really key to how he performs. I know that sounds really stupid, but some some drivers you feel like they can they can drive you know when they aren't in a great place. Ricardo, yeah. you need him to be in that special place. And I think in Austin, coming back from what sounds like he's been in quite you know not a bad place in terms of you know really really negative, but I think he was he was pretty bummed out by the way that all happened. You know he was on such a high going to Zandvoort. I think coming back to Austin, it just makes sense for everyone. And I think AlphaTauri have got some. 2025 announcements sorry 2024 announcements losing track of the years already katie's terrible um <laughs> to come in austin in terms of what their team is going to be called what it's going to look like going forward because obviously we know red bull's selling the the name of the team next year so i think him coming back just just adds to that so i think everything's just come together to a point where they're like let's give lawson one more race let's make sure you're 100 when you come back and then everyone's happy in austin except sadly liam lawson who i think is going to be a bit bummed out I know because he's, I mean, talk about somebody seizing an opportunity and really showing what they can do with it. So hopefully he's earned himself some goodwill in the future should an opportunity present itself. I think he'll be a lot of people's first call based on the way that he's performed over these last few races. Best of the rest. Who will you be keeping an eye on this weekend? Is it Aston Martin and Lance Stroll, Logan Sargent at Williams, Yuki, Alpine Haas, dealer's choice? Yeah, I mean, all of the above. Uh, But I think, to be honest with you, Stroll and, and, and Aston, um is is a real that they're a story that's kind of gone under the radar a little bit but we you know we've discussed it previously strolls in such a tricky situation and aston just generally i mean i heard some of the radio messages from alonso at the last race and we talk about happy drivers i mean at the start of the year alonso it was like he'd won the lottery you know he, he was the happiest we've ever seen him or at least since you know he was winning championships now we're starting to see that those frustrations that alonso's maybe more famous for are creeping back to the surface again and I think maybe on the flip side to Ricardo, an unhappy Alonso is not somebody you want around in your team. And I totally understand why he's upset. You know, he started the start of the year. He was saying we can win a race this year, guys. Like we're right there. And they were, they were the, they were the next best team in the space of six months. They've dropped all the way back to probably where everyone would have put them at the start of the season, you know, in fairness, but when they started from such a high point, got to be demoralizing. And you add to that, that he probably feels like he's carrying all the weight of the team. And you look across the garage, you know, you've got the son of the owner as your teammate. He's not doing very well. I think there's lots of questions about whether Lance Stroll should be in Formula One at this point. He's got to be aware of that. You know, I know drivers say I don't read the media, but they don't live in a cocoon either. They must know that stuff. So I think it's a really interesting point in the season for Stroll. Um, I'm not sure Lawrence Stroll's ever going to get rid of his son. But at some point, I mean, you know, a businessman's got to make a business call. And maybe I've watched too much too much succession over the past year and a year and a bit but maybe at some point Lawrence Stroll looks at it and thinks well maybe the best thing here is to is to go away from family and to and to do something else so not saying we're near that yet but we're getting to a point where that is seeming more realistic so I'd say Stroll but there's a bunch of there's a bunch of drivers I mean Sargent you know has been given a vote of confidence by Williams they've said they want him in the car next year sounds like they're going to keep him even though he's not been having the best form but I think he's coming with a chip on his shoulder as well because, you know, again, the the when people start talking, when, I think when it's fascinating, isn't it? When Formula One fans decide you're not good enough for Formula One, it's almost like it's it's stamped on your head. It's like, yeah, he's not good mm-hmm. enough. And I think a lot of people have that with Sargent now. And it can be so hard. It can be so easy to to make that, to build that impression. So difficult to break it. Yeah. So, you know, I think both of those guys, Stroll and Sargent, are in that position of their careers now where everyone's kind of made up their minds about them and it's it's on those drivers to prove everybody wrong 
Yeah. And you only have so many opportunities left to prove them wrong at the end of the season before we get to the end of the season. So you hope that they're able to do something with the, the few races remaining. My favorite portion is predictions. And I thought about asking Tyler Denning to join us in Lawrence's absence, like he did uh, a few weeks ago, but um, Tyler picked correctly uh, in predictions for Lawrence. And so his, his lead is even further ahead of me. So I, that's why I did not invite Tyler back. I hope you're okay with that. Yeah, no, I, I a little I harsh, but self-serving. I think self-serving. I think let's use this opportunity without Lawrence to just completely ruin the integrity of the of the whole thing. Should um, we? I'm okay with that. I'm good yeah, with that. I mean, point. maybe maybe we can message him and ask him what his predictions might be, and then we can make an executive decision next week. Mm-hmm. If if he gets them wrong, let's allow them. If he gets them right, let's lose the message somewhere and say we never got it. How's Perfect. that? That sounds great. All of our listeners, all of our listeners are in on the conspiracy as well. Which they is are, yeah. You've uh, witnessed a crime, okay? So don't report <laughs> yeah. it. At An this absolute point. crime, absolute crime. <laughs> Please don't tell Lawrence Edmondson. At this Luckily, point. Lawrence doesn't use Twitter very much, so I don't know if anyone's going to yeah. be able to tell him. Um, I thought about messaging him, but I knew he was mid-flight to see if he could just get me his picks in time. But then I was like, you know what? I don't even want your picks because right now Lawrence leads the group. He with forty points. So you get three points if you project the first place winner. Two points for P2 and then one point for P3. So last week, Tyler picked for two weeks ago, Tyler picked for Lawrence um, for Max to win. Did we not pick Max to win? I remember no, every, everybody did. Everybody, that was everyone only Max. points over. I'm still that far everybody behind Zach? Second and third, yeah. You're, You're hanging right yeah, no in one, there, you know? There's still six races left. I was going to say, I didn't think Tyler got, I think Tyler got one of the McLarens, but he got it in the wrong place. He put yeah. a McLaren third, I thought, but still he was closer than any of us were to, to getting it right, which is telling considering he was a stand-in. <laughs> so Katie, we're under we're under quite a bit of pressure now. Exactly. Uh but I, I have learned I'm never listening to Lawrence's recommendations on who's gonna be good at what circuit. Okay, so Lawrence is at 40 points. You're at 38 points, so you're right behind him. And I am at 32 points. So bringing up okay. the rear, but I'm okay with that. So I will let you choose first. Okay. Well, I'm going to be boring and say Verstappen wins on Sunday. I think at this point, those are easy points in the bag. Asterisk, does he win on Saturday or does he finish sixth or above? Yeah. Lock it up. I think, well, I think he, I think he wins the championship, but I'm going to say he doesn't win the sprint race. So if there's a bonus point there, I don't know whether he'll just play it a bit more casual. You know, there'll there'll be people who are a bit more aggressive than him. Um, Mm -hmm. But also that's taking it away from Max this year because one of the, most impressive things he's done all season is he's still been super aggressive um even when he's you know he's been a dominant guy he has been patient like it was in monza but he 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 also hasn't backed away for a moment you're talking about fastest uh, lap or yeah yeah exactly exactly i was just thinking about it and i was like actually no this this guy is still just completely on it so (laughs) exactly um yeah so maybe i mean if there's a half bonus point there we'd completely mess up the championship if we did that i'm gonna say max i don't think Perez is gonna is going to get it together. I'm going to say the same podium from Suzuka. I like that. So Max, Lando, Oscar. I'm going to stick with that. I think that, as we mentioned, McLaren in a good spot. Perez maybe will be fourth, but I just he just doesn't seem like he's going to string it all together, does he, at the moment? Okay, I'm going to go balls to the wall because I already am far enough behind. I don't know if I'm going to be able to catch you guys uh, unless I hit the trifecta multiple times. So I'm going to go Max to win. Yep. And I agree with you. He wins the championship on Saturday. Um, and I am throwing the asterisks in since Lawrence isn't here. You know what? Miss the show. And this is what happened. We need, Just start we need throwing points. out points. points exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Max to win. Then I'm going to go with Oscar Piastri to finish P2. Oh, nice. I know. Okay. I like it. 
And then I'm leaving Lando out in the cold, even though it's very hot in Qatar. And I'm going to put Carlos Sainz P3. Okay. Yeah. The, the, I mean, he's, he's been the performer of this kind of last month and a bit, I'd say, hasn't he? So I know, but as I do that, I'm like, why are you doing that? I'm hopeful. No, no, I, I like it. Stick with it. And I, okay. I always, I always feel bad when I don't put a Ferrari on the podium because, and I think like you, Katie, and I think, I think like Lawrence as well, deep down, we're all little Ferrari fans. Um, mm-hmm. And I think actually, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, earlier this year, I had a run where whenever I said Ferrari wouldn't be on the podium, oh, sorry, would be were. on the podium. They, they were, were on the podium. And then, and then I stopped saying they would be on, and then I didn't say for Singapore and then signs one. So I think whatever magic I had has, has rubbed off, but um yeah, I feel like now it's it's gone the opposite way. If I don't put them on, maybe they do better. All right. Well, then you just made me feel a little bit better about the situation. Thank you. So that's where we stand. I'll try to get Lawrence's so that we can keep some integrity on Unlapped here. But if they fall through the cracks, they fall through the cracks. What's on the agenda for you in Qatar? Is there still time for you to go get dinner? Yes, there should be. Um, I'm going to okay. meet Chris Medland, who we obviously spoke about earlier. Um, and we're going to find somewhere just to just find a bite to eat. There's no really alcohol, two stories. right? It's a dry country? or Well, there are places. So there some are. hotels are dry and some aren't. And they basically have bars underneath, but literally underground bars. So you you feel like you're kind of in like a 1920s kind of um, prohibition era bar in America. That's where cool. Underground. Out of, you don't have to knock and do a secret knock, but I always like to pretend I'm kind of in some like it hot and I'm, you know, I'm pretending that <laughs> I'm hiding from, um I'm hiding from the feds. But yeah, we're going to do that. In terms of, in terms of stories this week, there's really only two that, that are really kind of front of mind and we've spoken about them is Andretti and I'm gonna I'm gonna put a feature together that hopefully will be on ESPN.com forward slash F1 later this weekend, which is just why is Max so good from the from the voice mm-hmm. of people that have worked with him, have driven against him, have driven in the same team as him. Because when you get these drivers talking about, you know, the characteristics of Max, it's just really telling because often, especially when a driver's about to win a championship, drivers really open up about their rivals because i think even though they all think they are the best driver that kind of appreciation and respect comes out more mm-hmm. so now than at, at, at any other point so i'm hoping for some revealing answers tomorrow so stay tuned and we'll see what we get when can we expect that on espn.com hopefully when he wins the championship but it might be okay. on a sunday it might it might even push back to monday just depending on you know workload and stuff but i'm hoping we can push it out when he wins the championship um awesome. and um and yeah, it would basically just be an ode to Max Verstappen. So, you know, for all those people that are still in my mentions saying I hate Max Verstappen, go read that. <laughs> it comes out dedica- because he's dedicating I still get that week to the man. For some reason, okay? yeah, for some reason, any English journalist still gets that to this day. So, um, yeah, if if nothing else, it will put those rumors to bed. If you're not making uh, people hot under the collar, you're not doing your job. Is that an American phrase or an English phrase? Hot under the collar. Uh, I'm not sure if it's English or American, but I've, I mean, we definitely use it use across it. Okay. the pond. Um, okay get yourself some supper tell chris we said hi thanks as always for your time and your analysis and we can't wait to see your reports and your writing from qatar thanks casey sounds good cheers guys